Compulsory testing orders for estates in Sheung Shui and Yao Tong after sewage tests positive for COVID and the Agricultural Fisheries and Conservation Department monitors two pet cats with the coronavirus. And in Beijing, Xi Jinping opens the Winter Olympics. That's all the news from RTHK. The national flag, the national emblem, and the national anthem. As stated in the Constitution, our national flag is a red flag with five stars. Our national emblem shows Tiananmen Gate under the five stars, spikes of grain, and a cogwheel. Our national anthem is March of the Volunteers, which represents courage and perseverance. National symbols and signs belong to all 1.4 billion Chinese, belong to you and me. The national flag, the national emblem, and the national anthem belong to us all. Let's respect them. And welcome to a Chinese New Year edition of The Week on Three. I'm Christy Lai. Kong Hei Fat Choi, wishing you a prosperous, healthy, and joyful start to the Year of the Tiger. Hope you had loads of red pockets and delicious food. If it's your first time tuning in, I'll be selecting some of our most fun and interesting interviews from the past week here on Radio 3. Since it's Chinese New Year, why don't we start today's program with some predictions for the Year of the Tiger? For the past two years, we have been living with the pandemic, and indeed, it has taken a toll on us. But since it's a brand new year, would things take a good turn? On Wednesday morning, Peter Lewis was joined by fortune teller Raymond Lowe, who looked back on the year of the ox, and tells us what improvements we can expect in the year to come. I, yes, we do not expect uh, the 2020 and 2021 uh, good years at all. Uh, the reason is... Uh, uh, the Chinese actually has a calendar of elements. So every year, uh, the year means uh, the influence of the elements will come to the whole world. Uh, the last two years are very powerful metal and water years. And what does it mean? Uh, because you, everybody knows Chinese like fire color. Fire color means red color. Yeah. So we celebrate everything New Year, we use red color. That means fire is happiness. And water is opposite. Opposite is fear. So therefore, the last year of the uh, red and the ox has no fire at all. So that's why we lost all happiness. And that means we have no entertainment, no uh, uh, wedding uh, meetings, uh, and then the, no cinema. So that's, that's why uh, we are covered by the atmosphere of fear uh, since uh, 2020. So will some harmony come in the year of the tiger, or are we set for more upheavals? Uh, so basically, we have to wait for the fire element to return. And what year is the fire? Fire is the snake. And the snake year will arrive at 2025. So that's why uh, between... Uh, 2020 to 2025. So actually, we are in a water and wood cycle. Uh, but fortunately, uh, we have, I think we have passed the two worst years 
because the last two years are just water without even wood. Uh, but when we come to the tiger year, the tiger is actually brings in the wood element. And what can wood do to the fire? Wood produce fire. So that's why uh, we have signs of uh, positive uh, energy coming back uh, in the year of the tiger. So that's why uh, uh, from once the year of tiger starts, I think the atmosphere will be uh, much more improved. So I suppose the question on all of our minds is we've had two years now of pandemic, of illness, um, not being able to travel or go anywhere. Is the pandemic going to be contained this year and is life going to start to return to normal? Uh, our theory is the last two years, uh, uh, 2020 is metal on water. So therefore, the water was supported by metal is too powerful and metal is the lung. So that means uh, uh, breathing organ will suffer. So that mm. that's the basic uh, uh, elemental cause of the pandemic. Uh, and then when we come into 2021, it's still metal here, metal sitting on the ox, and there's no fire, no fire to keep the water under control. So that's why we continue to have the problem. And uh, 2021 is the year of yin metal. Uh, yin metal is small metal. So that is actually everybody get the injection. But when we come to 2022, so uh, it is a year of water over wood because the tiger is actually the wood element. And the tiger is considered to be the mother of fire because tiger is considered as uh, the big wood, big tree, so which is very powerful in helping fire. So therefore, uh, we will see some happiness return uh, from particularly in spring and summer. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, this only lasts for the tiger year. Uh, when we come into 2023, uh, it's the year of rabbit and the fire disappear again. Mm. So that's why uh, we can say uh, this tiger year supposed to give us some kind of relief, but not total recovery. So that's why uh, in the first half of the year, particularly because of the seasonal uh, influence, uh, that is the uh, spring is wood, uh, summer is fire, and I think it, the economy and the society will be much more active than the last two years. But uh, when we come into autumn and winter, the fire will fade out, and then the uh, uh, we will be having some kind of disappointment and setback. So what, what are the main sort of features of a, of a tiger year? What are the typical characteristics of a tiger and a tiger year? Uh, uh, actually, the tiger uh, is uh, considered to be, first thing is uh, the mother of fire. So therefore, in the tiger, it brings wood, uh, fire and earth. Uh, so that's, that's why it brings uh, much more confidence, happiness and uh, activity. And another thing is the tiger is a, what we call a traveling star. Uh, usually a tiger year, it triggers a lot of traveling for many people, particularly for people born in the year of the dragon, uh, the rat and the monkey. So uh, as people start traveling, that could mean the pandemic is uh, uh, getting more under control. So therefore, we can expect, uh, yes, it could be uh, uh, much more uh, movement uh, 
uh, good for traveling industry. Uh, there are more freedom to move around uh, later in the tiger year. So what other yeah. signs of the zodiac tend to do well in the year of the tiger? Uh, so the tiger is good with the pig. Uh, because the pig and the tiger are good friends and they uh, combine. Uh, so that's why actually uh, if you are not good with the tiger, for example, if you are born in the year of the tiger, we say you are offending the tiger. So therefore, how do you protect yourself? Uh, at least you have to carry the pendant of a pig uh, because the pig shows good friend to the tiger. Mm. Uh, and also, uh, for example, if you are born in the year of the monkey, uh, you are in clash against the tiger. So when you are in clash against the year, uh, normally you may have uh, to be careful about accidents, uh, like uh, uh, please do not drive car uh, ruthlessly. Uh, so you have to be playing safe. Uh, do, don't do any vigorous sports. And but uh, you will take a lot of traveling. Uh, if you are a monkey, you, 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 it's better for you to move around traveling more uh, and carry the pendant of the pig. And that was fortune teller Raymond Lowe. What makes Chinese New Year special is the festive music that comes with it. The cheery tunes bring me back to my childhood when my parents played the songs on repeat for a good two hours. But why don't we listen to something that is equally jolly and cheerful? Folk music. On Monday's Morning Brew, James Ross was joined by folk band The Mutineers, where they shared the origin of their band and also performed a couple of their songs live at our studio. Uh, we are the remnants of the privateers, an uh, uh, erstwhile uh, folk band that started in nine, 2013 in Hong Kong. Mm. And uh, sadly, about five, uh, four or five years ago, our, our bass player left and then our drummer left as well and it's just left us three the core the very talented members of the band are <laughs> the left the better too. ones right yes that's right yes yes <laughs> I got to say that so Matt's uh, playing guitar uh, Jerry's on mandolin and myself on vocals and we still sort of maintain the a cappella uh, vocals as well sure well why don't we why don't we get into the first tune and uh, then come back and talk a little bit more after that and I think you're going to do an a cappella to, to start yes, with yes we're right? going to do one Northwest Passage which kind of connects all our backgrounds together, I suppose you could say. Okay. So, and it's mandolin, right? Yeah, mandolin, guitar, and uh, Andy on vocals. Well, all of, all of you on vocals, yes, right, so to good. start with, yeah. Ah, uh, for just one time, I would take the Northwest Passage To find the hand of Franklin reaching for the Beaufort Sea Tracing one warm line through a land so wide and savage, and make a northwest passage to the sea. Westward from the Davis Strait is there, twas said to lie, the sea route to the Orient for which so many died. Seeking gold and glory, leaving weathered broken bones, and a long forgotten lonely cairn of stones. Ah, for just one time, I would take the Northwest Passage to find the hand of Franklin reaching for the Beaufort Sea, tracing one warm line through a land so wide and savage, and make a Northwest Passage to the sea. 
Three centuries thereafter, I take passage over land, in the footsteps of brave Kelso, where a sea of flowers began. Watching cities rise before me, then behind me sink again, this tardiest explorer driving hard across the plain. Ah, for just, just one time, I would take the Northwest Passage to find the hand of Franklin reaching for the Beaufort Sea, tracing one warm line through a land so wide and savage, and make a northwest passage to the sea. How then am I so different from the first men through this way? Like them I left a settled life, I threw it all away. To seek a northwest passage at the call of many men, to find there but the road back home again. Ah, for just one time, I would take the Northwest Passage to find the hand of Franklin reaching for the Beaufort Sea, tracing one warm line through a land so wide and savage, and make a Northwest Passage to the sea. Great. That's North Northwest Passage. Um, Andy, tell us about that song. Where, where, where does it come from? Where, where did you, why did you pick that one? Well, it's a, it's a whole classic by Stan Rogers, a mm. Canadian folk musician from the 70s, 80s, I guess, early, early 80s. And it just so happens that it kind of ties up my uh, ancestral background with uh, those of my uh, the band as well, with the, the, the Hudson's Bay connection, my ancestors from the Orkney Islands. They took the, the, the last boat across to to the, the Hudson's Bay and, uh, and in fact one of the opening lines was about uh, 1778 and one of the other songs that we did. I was just reading about my ancestor last night as it happened and he left for Hudson's Bay in 1778. So another connection that I didn't even knew existed but uh, there's, a, there's a kind of spiritual connection that I feel towards Canada. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the fact that all these Orcadians, 80% of the, the work staff that were working in the fur industry uh, in Canada at the time for the Hudson's Bay Company were Orcadian men. Mm. So uh, it kind of rings a bell for me and uh, it's kind of tied us all together mm. in some ways in the past. So that's how you look for songs. Is it some, something that's very connected to you know, one of your pasts? I think a lot of our songs, are by accident or by design, have uh, have sort of got that maritime connection. Uh, obviously, we're from both sides of the Atlantic, but a lot of the folk music that we've chosen kind of has that US UK kind of mm. um, fu- not a fusion, but you know, there's a sort of all of the folk music that came out of the UK then went over to the states and became something different. But a lot of our music seems to kind of revolve around you know, pirates or being on a boat somewhere. Um, uh, it's just, I think it's a good subject to write music about. And, and you know, the sea shanties and the... And Definitely, the, yeah. And the yeah. instrumentation that came out of it as well, particularly the sort of the, the acoustic instrumentation that you could take on a boat or be in a Nova Scotian kitchen party. Mm. You know, the, the, the way that people used to entertain themselves before Facebook and mobile phones, I suppose. Sure, yeah. <laughs> well, pirates, mutineers, very good connection there, of, uh, of course. Mm. Um, OK, we're going to hear three sets um, through the morning uh, from you, a couple, of ti- uh, a couple of songs each time. Um, that was Northwest Passage. And what are we going to hear now, Andy? Uh, this one's called Body of an American. It's uh, by the, the Pogues. Uh, it has nothing to do with our 
backgrounds at all. <laughs> but uh, but it's a you know it's a, it's a strong, fast folk song that we kind of like playing. Yeah, great. And we're going to bring in the mandolin and uh, a guitar for this. So here we go with uh, the Mutineers and Body of an American. Body of an American by the Mutineers. The 2022 Winter Olympics just had its opening ceremony in Beijing last night, and a total of three athletes are representing Team Hong Kong in alpine skiing and short track speed skating. Speaking of the opening, have you ever imagined what it would be like to be a part of it? On Friday's back chat, Jim Gould and Andrew Work spoke to Paul Xiong, former skater athlete representing Canada and participant of the 2010 Winter Olympics. Who reflected on his time as ice skating performer for the Winter Games opening ceremony in 2010? Also joining him is Frank Fu, emeritus professor at the Department of Sport, Physical Education and Health at Hong Kong Baptist University, and Joseph Mahoney, professor of politics at East China Normal University in Shanghai, where they gave their predictions on the games this year. Ah、uh, yes, so it was a it was a big team of us back in、uh, Burnaby Ebricks、uh, that. It was a it was a big group of us that participated in the opening for the figure skating、uh, and skating event for the 2010 Olympics. And what was the process? How how did they how did they find you guys?、Uh, how much and you know how much time did you have to put in rehearsal and you know then going to get fitted for costumes? I guess I mean I don't know what was it like being somebody participating. Yeah, it was definitely a very memorable experience.、Uh, so I wasn't entirely sure as to how, what the recruiting process was for you know. Finding finding us、uh, and a team of us to you know to perform during the、uh, opening ceremony, but but it was definitely a very surreal experience. It was、um, you know we had different you know colors of the,、uh, the our colors of the costume were based on you know the Olympic rings, you know five different colors,、right. and so we were these big giant you know one piece suited、uh, colors. Uh, and then basically, the the you know we were practicing. Everybody had their own little routine.、Um, you know, everybody was doing jumps, and I think you know we spent about a week, two weeks. I think a very good two weeks where we just focused on you know preparing for 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 this、uh, big event back in 2010, back in Vancouver, where where I am myself from. So. It was definitely a very, very、um, memorable experience. So, when you say two weeks, were you in there like eight hours a day for two weeks, or would you go in for an hour every day? Like, how much commitment was it? I think、um, it was. It was a lot of commitment. It was, you know, to showcase, you know,、uh, talent that was in, you know, Canada. It was a lot of us, you know, back in Vancouver, where you know some of the. Uh, participants in the openings,、uh, some of you know part of our team were you know these national, international,、uh, known athletes、uh, like Kevin Reynolds and Jeremy Ten, and you know some of these really big athletes back in the day. And、uh, yes, we did spend you know、uh, a pretty sizable amount of time. I would say hours and hours. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I would say you know full days at a time. 
a couple of days a week for you know two three weeks and it, it was it was it was definitely a long time but all very memorable all very exciting stuff because we were able to you know participate at the olympics which you know happens every four years and is something that you know we look very forward to did you get to keep the outfit uh we got to keep the olympic entry pass oh but they didn't let you keep your costume i think i think the costume is in in my closet somewhere but um but I never wanted to take it out because it was a one-piece, you know, single-color uh, costume. So, I mean, maybe for an Halloween. Maybe but, you can uh, put, it up, put it on today to watch the opening ceremonies or, or, I yeah, mean, like, or sell it good. on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Fantastic. Uh, Frank Fu, are there going to be any Hong Kongers in the opening ceremony tonight? Are they, are they, are they asked to participate? I mean, no, aside from no. the athletes? <laughs> Not that I know of. Not that I know of. I think I think I think Sydney going to lead the Hong Kong uh, the, the, the yeah. Hong Kong representation. Yeah. The, the marching, but uh, I think they train a lot of youngster youth uh, for opening this time in the show. The local kids in the Beijing area. Okay, so that's good. And, and uh, you you don't know if they're going to be having uh, kind of world class athletes like Pollux Young, who are actually going to be performing in some way. Because Pollux didn't just march; he skated. So it was quite uh, you know a little little more complex, I guess, at that level. Are they are they going to have those kinds of people involved? Well, uh, there's a lot of commitment. Like you say, you know, preparing an opening ceremony probably take about six months or more uh, from local participants. So it's difficult for overseas people to. To, to to have that much time to spend in uh, Beijing to prepare for this opening ceremony. So I think you will see all these participants are from the local area, especially the young kids. Yeah, and I, I guess I contrast this. As you said, Pollux, uh, they had people from across Canada at the at the opening one, but I guess with COVID, that's not necessarily possible for these Olympics. But, it, but was that the case when you did it in Vancouver? It was across Canada? Uh, back, so back in 2010, I think it was... Uh, it was uh, within the BC region, I think it was a lot of uh, a lot of figure skaters that uh, the basically the pick for us to participate. So it was it was all in BC, but then yeah, it was we we I guess we represented you know for the uh, opening ceremony. Gotcha. As BC, yeah. Okay. Um, there. Uh, Joseph Gregory Mahoney, um, um, what are the uh, expectations uh, up there? I mean, among people, among the the public for uh, for medals at these uh, Winter Games. I mean, we've mentioned a uh, uh, curling, uh, figure skating, various areas where where China's strong. But um, um, how do you think how do you think China's likely to do overall? Well, let me let me just add before I answer that that I'm that I'm rooting for Sydney too. Right. <laughs> Uh, he graduated from my alma mater, uh, uh, George Washington University. Uh, seeing a lot of uh, you know messages from the university wishing him uh, him well, and so it's it's very exciting to, to have that sense of connection. Plus, I have a deep affection for Hong Kong, so uh, I hope he performs well. In, in the case of uh, Chinese performance, I, I, I my my feeling is you know several years ago we know China started this program where they wanted to compete for gold in, in every sport uh, in, in the Olympics. And um, um, I, I thought, you know, well, that's that's a very admirable thing. It, it, it allows the country to develop sport. We've seen this massive effort to, 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 uh, to uh, um, promote uh, winter sports, in particular in China. Uh, and we see this uh, percolating, uh, you know, in Shanghai even, where we don't really uh, have a, a suitable climate, but we have nearby 
um, uh, places where people go and enjoy the fake snow. But I, I suspect that, um, that China will perform well. But the worst thing that could happen in terms of public relations is if China um, um, uh, wins too many medals. Um, you know, uh, then we'll hear all these allegations that, that China had um, a home field advantage because of the, the COVID isolation, the fact that people had their training regimes uh, uh, interrupted in some cases by, by um, testing positive or, or various isolation measures. So, um, you know, I think that China will, will, will perform um, uh, as it normally does. Uh, I haven't seen any projections that they're expected to, to uh, significantly outperform uh, previous Winter Olympics. Um, but I, I, again, I, I do think that if they if they do radically outperform, it, it would uh, almost backfire certainly um, in the in the international media. But uh, I think the Chinese people themselves would be quite pleased with it. Joseph Mahoney, professor of politics at East China Normal University in Shanghai, on Friday's back chat, and add oil to Team Hong Kong. We'll sure be rooting for you here. To end today's week on three. Steve James reflects on the day that music changed forever. I'm Christy Lai. Will you darn fool skis kindly cut the gabble gabble? The Steve James afternoon drive. He's flaky, but he's the first guy you would want to have your back if something went down. On Radio Three. The factories may be roaring mm. with the boom a lack a zoom a lack a wee. But there isn't any roar when the clock strikes four. Oh. Everything stops for tea. Here we go. Now I know just why Franz Schubert didn't finish his unfinished symphony. He might have written more, but the clock struck four, four. and everything stops for tea. Tea break this afternoon. Everything stops for tea, and uh, it's a, a tragic day. This day, February the third, nineteen fifty-nine, and we're going to dial up our nineteen fifty-nine radio dial here. And uh, it was the day that music died. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. Three young singers who soared to the heights of show business on the current rock and roll craze were killed today in the crash of a light plane in an Iowa snow flurry. The singers were identified as Richie Vallon, 17, Buddy Holly, 22, and J.P. Richardson, known professionally as the Big Bopper. The aircraft chartered from the Dwyer Flying Service crashed near Mason City, ironically the setting for the prominent musical The Music Man. The pilot, Roger Peterson of Clear Lake, Iowa, was also killed. The three singers had appeared at the Surf Ballroom in Clear Lake, Iowa last night and were on their way to Fargo, North Dakota. Their small chartered plane crashed in a lonely farmyard about 15 miles northwest of Mason City. Cause of the crash was due to inclement weather conditions. Details upcoming from Action Central News. Just you know why. Why?
topless peacock. <laughs> oh, you sweet man. Do I want? Will I want? Oh, baby, you know what I like. Chantilly lace and a pretty face and a ponytail hanging down. Wiggle in the walk and a giggle in the talk. Big eyed girl to make me act so funny, make me spend my money, make me feel real loose like a long neck goose, like a girl. Oh, baby, that's what I like. What's that, baby? But, 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 oh, honey. Chantilly lace had a pretty face out of ponytail, a hanging down, a wiggle in the walk and a giggle in the talk. Lord.